When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Still to come, Cavis Reed, offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Wildcats, former CFL player and coach. will visit with Cavis for the first time in a while. We are still going to give away a little bit later on the four golf passes for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs. We'll have a trivia question for you for that one. They're having a good time with the trivia question. It's always nice when people call in and try to win stuff. I feel like a winner whenever Cam Moon is on the show. Hey, Cam, how's it going? Oh, it's going very well. How about you? I'm doing great. Are you watching any baseball tonight or at the moment? And you know, you probably know where I'm going with this. Can you see me right now? <laughs> it's it's well, like I you just, can see me right now. Yes, I just I'm know watching how you some th- baseball. Okay, you know, we got the White Sox and the Blue Jays 1-1 in the top of the seventh. But the featured game, the Inside Sports featured game, sponsored by Cam Moon, <laughs> by, by Cam Moon <laughs> Hair Products, <laughs> is, yeah. is the Angels leading the Orioles 6-4 in the bottom of the sixth. The Orioles trying to avoid a 20th consecutive loss. What are you watching? Uh, I've got the Jays on right now but I can flip over to that one if, if I must. <laughs> well, I, they'll, I don't, we'll see. Yeah, it's, I feel bad for the Orioles. Like, I don't, I don't know that I... I don't want to go and watch that slow-moving train wreck, you know? Well, I was, I was giving the longest losing streaks in sports, in some sports, earlier in the show. I mean, Tampa Bay lost 26 in a row in the NFL in the 70s. This one really struck me uh, from U Sports, or I guess it was CIS at the time, the Toronto Varsity Blues football team, 49 consecutive games over seven years. Oh, that's Washington general <laughs> like. What's the recruiting pitch? <laughs> well, it can't get any worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, kid, you're terrible, but come join us. You might make us better. Yeah. As bad as your high school career was, we think you can help. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We can't be any worse. So please, give us a hand. Yes. Here's your your scholarship. Study whatever you want. Uh, The Orioles in 1988 lost 21 consecutive games from the start of the season. Oh, ouch. That's, That's a tough goal. Yeah, that's that's definitely a tough goal. Well, and they're in the middle of one right now. It was ever ever since they saw that cat with the at the Yankees game. Hey, that's where it went south apparently. Sorry, explain that. I don't know that full story. Well, some cat came on the field. The Orioles were playing the Yankees. Ever since that, the Orioles haven't been able to win, and the Yankees seemingly haven't been able to lose. So that's that's kind of been the story that some cat on the field had changed the direction of those two clubs. Uh, I, I don't know how much weight I put in it, but still. Yeah, well, 
the Yankees at 11 consecutive wins. Uh, yeah, I, okay, so that, that was the, that was the turn. See, but people always look for, like, weird things that can't actually make sense. Yeah, that's right. They, they want to look at, okay, what's been the cat that caused it? Maybe the Yankees are just way more talented than the Orioles. That could also be a solution. I'm just saying. Well, I think that is a big part of it, too. Yes, I would say that that does come into play here. The Orioles weren't supposed to be a very good team this year, and they aren't. So, And the Yankees were supposed to be good and came out of the gates up and down and then were really down for a while, and now it has just turned their way, and, and they've been – I got one point. There were 10, po- there are 10 games back. Uh, of the Boston Red Sox, and they were able to turn that around to at least get, you know, close. So yeah, they've uh, they've they, they've definitely well to the point where they're ahead of them. But yeah, they were we're ten back of them not that long ago. So yeah, Yankees have been been red hot here lately. So that's uh, uh, what a what a change for sure. And they were, they were expected to be good. So it's not like it's a it's a shock to anybody, but. I'd love to see the Jays push for a, for a wild card spot. I still think it's a bit of a long shot for them, but but I'd love to see them, you know, push well into September where at least they're in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they got yeah. a they got a decent team, but again, that that division, right? I mean, that's been yeah. the story of the Blue Jays. Uh, well, they used to win that division a fair share in the late 80s and the early yeah. 90s uh but yeah it's been a tough one so okay so you you covered the dub for a while do you, do you remember the mm-hmm. I, I i hate to do this to you but you always got a great story but who's the worst team you ever saw or was there a team where it's like do you remember a longest losing streak in the dub because sometimes the poor teams if they're having yeah. a down year and it's not a great organization uh it can get bad okay so here's the story it was my 19-year-old year, and the Victoria Cougars Oh, this is from five. your playing days. Okay, Yeah, yeah, right. that, that's the worst I can recall. Uh, the Victoria Cougars won five of 72. Five. Read, five. That's, so, that's now granted, there, no, it is hard to do. There were ties in those days, but there were also overtime games, but no shootout. So, you couldn't you didn't have the opportunity to push those ties into a win. So you did have to, we, back then we played 10 minutes of overtime, five on five. And then if it was still tied, it was a tie. I had some buddies that played on that team uh, in Victoria. And, and back then you got to, you got to keep in mind that uh, there was only two teams in BC. There was the Kamloops Blazers and the Victoria Cougars. So, Every time they got off that ferry, I mean, their shortest trip would have been to Seattle, which is just about another two-hour drive from there. Um, Kamloops would be closer to four. So every like they are taking this ferry all the time. Uh, they're stuck at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal all the time, and they're losing like it's loss after loss after loss. And the year before, they were actually a pretty good team. Made the playoffs. They were pretty. They were around 500. They were a decent club. But when it went south for them, in this is the 89-90 season, it went incredibly south. And then the next year, they doubled their win total. But that's still only 10 out of 72. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, 
you know, I'm not many guys were there for the full two years because, as you can imagine, it was quite a turnstile of players as they kept trying to get better and, and never really did. But not many would have went through two full seasons of that. But the guys that I knew that did play there, I mean, it was tough sledding. So, yeah, that was uh, to me, that's the worst I've seen, uh, like just straight up. I mean, All right. there's, yeah. I'm glad you told me that. And Cam and I did not plan this. We just come no. on the radio and start talking. And so I, I looked up Victoria Cougars' seasons. They were 565 and 2 in 89-90. And you're right. The previous year, they were uh, respectable 36, 32, and 4. They won half their yeah. games, they weren't terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then you're yeah. right. Their, their win total went from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20. So they went up by That's fives right. over four years. But even, even the best year was still only 20 wins. They yeah. in, in 72 games, they scored 221 goals. They gave up 565. Oh. Now, I've looked up their stats from that year. The, the goaltender who played the most was a gentleman by the name of Jarrett Burgoyne. We should try and find this guy. He, Jarrett then, Burgoyne, then he played, he's, from, he's from Calgary. He went on to play for the University of Calgary. We should try and find him. He, he appeared should. in 44 of the 72 games. He was the winningest goaltender on the team with a record of 329 and 1. His goals against average was 7.78. I remember Jared Burgoyne. I remember Jared Burgoyne from uh from uh 18U. Uh he played for one of the Calgary teams and and I would have been Maple Leaf Athletic Club and he was pretty good. Like the fact that he stuck out that whole year there is a credit to him. I know he gave up seven goals a game, but I mean, he had to be pretty good to stick around. Like he was the best they had. And, and Jared Burgoyne went on to play for UFC and he was pretty good there. So yeah. Yeah. We should find, I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if he lives in Calgary, but yeah. Oh boy. We, we oh, try that for that. That'd be incredible. I mean, and I, I'd love to hear the story. And I know maybe sometimes if guys were on a team that bad, they might be worried. Well, they're going to make fun of me, but I, I just think, okay, what's it like playing on a team? And as we know, Cam, athletes at a high level, and the WHL is an incredibly high level of hockey, they they try. Like, you know, I know when people will call in after an Oilers game and say, well, they they didn't try. It's like, well, no, they they tried. Just some nights you get beat or you don't have as much juice as other nights, or or sometimes it might be concentration. But they try, and, and they always believe they can win. But there must have been, but like if you're strapping on the pads, knowing you're probably going to give up seven and you haven't won a game in about four or five weeks, I, I would love to know what that was like. I mean, that's, uh, that's yeah. f- like five, 65 and two, five wins in oh. 72 games. See, I, I saw it from the other side, Reed. I remember when we would play Victoria, I, I would be, I would have anxiety out the yin yang because I didn't want to be the team that lost to them. So that's you a really were, good go, point. Yeah, you go into the game, you're like, oh boy. Like, I know it's supposed to be a free space on the bingo card here, but I mean, the game's going to start 0 0. So, you know, what if, what if we kind of dog it for half the game and then they think they got a chance to win and a couple things don't go your way and then you lose? I don't I That, I, I remember going into Victoria that next year and that's all I could think about was. Oh God! Like we've got to find a way. Uh, <laughs> we've got to find a way. Um, but it worked out. I know the uh, 
we didn't play for a couple of days after that game and you can't leave the island after after anyway because the ferries don't run and i knew we were going to get kind of a free night off if we won the game so there was no chance we were going to lose <laughs> That is, I, I'm glad you told this story because I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware that that was that that was like I like I keep looking at that number five sixty five and two and and like like when I told you the the gentleman's goals against average you were speechless for three or four seconds and I'm sure that was the reaction of the fourteen people listening to the show his save percentage yeah. was eight thirty four. Yeah, well, that's a lot of shots from right between the hash marks. You know, keep that in mind. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The, the the scoring chances must have been... Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we could try to find box scores, and I'm, I'm sure the shots on goal were something like 60 to whatever per game. Well, we could figure it out, I suppose. Yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's a shocker. So that that's a good story. That is a good story. So not necessarily a losing streak, though there must have been some very long losing streaks in there. Uh, oh, yeah, epically long. <laughs> If you think about it, the only well, there'd have been some ties. Would they have two ties? So they had they, two ties, <laughs> two yeah. ties. Yeah, those that have felt like wins. <laughs> That's true. But hey, we tied. We're doing okay. Oh yeah. my. Well, and uh, well, well, uh, Milan Dragasevic was on that team. Yeah, I who, and uh, you know what I played. Uh, yeah, I, I played bantam with uh, Milan. We played baseball together, Milan and I. Uh, he's Maple Leaf Athletic Club. We should track him down. He lives in Vancouver. He wouldn't even be hard to track down. No, no, but he was one of, and I don't know, like on Hockey DB, there are several players with the little uh, superscript number next to their names, which means they were yeah. either traded or acquired during the season. So like, you'd have yeah. to go through and break everything down. But because obviously there would have been tons of roster moves that year or players picking the, the better guys off the roster, uh, so on and so forth. But that, that that's that's a shocker. I'm glad you brought that up. 565 and 2. Okay, so uh, how are the Jays doing now? It sounds like Ray's having a good game on the Hill. Yeah, yeah, it's 1-1. I mean, they're just... They're hanging in here. Uh, Ray's having a great day on the hill. Uh, they're hanging in, but the you know, White Sox have been—they've been a good team. And you know, they they spanked the Jays yesterday. They've been they've been a, a solid club really all year. So yeah, it's uh, bottom of seven. This one's going to go down to the wire. Hopefully, the Jays can find a little something to get them over the top. I thought they had a couple of tough losses to Detroit this past weekend, games they should have won. And over 162, you're going to say that about a few for sure. But the one where they they gave up uh, a tying run with two out in the in the bottom of the ninth on an error, that was, that was awfully tough to stomach. Um, so hopefully they can find a way to be, be one better than the White Sox here. Mooner, we got a game in just over a month. Uh, what's uh, what's going on, you and Jack again? Or are we still waiting for the details on who's doing what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, I think as far as the regular season goes, it'll be same as last year, and then we'll we'll split up the preseason. However, we split up the preseason, but yeah, I think that's how it's uh, supposed to go. Something to that effect, which is all good. Looking forward to it, quite honestly, Reed. Can't wait. Yeah, so am I. Uh, I mean, we're in that we're in that sort of well. And this week got derailed a little bit because we were supposed to be getting everybody ready for a football game tomorrow. It's like, whoops, oh. not this week. And oh boy, I, I doubt next week. Though we can start talking about Labor Day at least a little bit uh, next week. Mooner, 
uh, I always love having you on the show. It's always fun, and you always educate me as you as you did tonight. So you can you can add you can add educator of Reed Wilkins to your long and illustrious res- resume. Okay, I'll get Milan on the horn. We'll talk about that season with him. Yeah, that'd be fun. Thanks, buddy. Okay. I gotta talk to you. That is Cam Moon, play-by-play for Edmonton Oilers, uh, play-by-play voice for Edmonton Oilers here on 6:30 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. So we got going on losing streaks. And uh, there was some memories of Cam playing against the Victoria Cougars when he was a Western Hockey League goaltender in 89-90 when the team went 5-65-2. It's Inside Sports on Chet. First Blue Jays left-handed pitcher ever to ring up 14 opposing batters in a game. 14 strikeouts tonight for Robbie Ray as the uh, Blue Jays up against the Chicago White Sox. It is 1-1 in the top of the seventh. The Orioles trying to end their long losing streak. And uh, it's now the middle of the seventh. It is 6-4 for the Angels leading the Orioles. They have lost 19 in a row, uh, the Blue Jays game story now into the bottom of the seventh. White Sox and Blue Jays tied 1-1. Uh, Milan Dragosevic was uh, coaching the Drayton Valley Thunder for a while when I was covering the AJHL and Lloyd Minster. I believe he's now with the Delta Hockey Academy in uh, in British Columbia. We, we, we should try to do something on that team. On the Victoria Cougars of 89-90 that won five out of 72 games. That is a tough go. Man, oh, man. You can always join us on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. We'll have Cavis Reed coming up. Then we will do the trivia, the golf trivia, to send you and three people out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs. We'll do that before 8 o'clock. Well, we got to do it before 8 o'clock because that's when the show ends. First, we got news and weather back after that. something with Mooner. Love that guy. We're going to have to uh, track down some players from that Victoria team and uh, and and get them on the show. We've already started the ball rolling with that. So uh, we'll see what we can get. Okay. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, yeah, 565-2 and two was the record for the Victoria Cougars in the 89-90 Western Hockey League season. Baseball tonight, and we were talking about losing teams because of the uh, Orioles having lost 19 in a row. And it might become 20 this evening. Just refreshing to make sure I have the latest score. And uh, it is indeed still 6-4 for the Angels over the Orioles in the seventh. Blue Jays in a tight battle with the White Sox. It's 1-1 in the top of the eighth. Well, I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, a gentleman who played for the double-E football team, later coached them, and uh, he's now working in football in Edmonton once again as the offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Wildcats. Cavis Reed is on the Certainty Hotline. Cavis, how are you doing, how sir? How are you? Outstanding. Thank you very much for having me on. 
Well, it is nice to catch up with you again. The uh, it's it's a uh, it's a long journey through the world of sports, and our paths cross yet again, <laughs> as they uh, they did more often, obviously, when uh, when you worked in this city. How are things going, man? How have you enjoyed enjoyed diving into things with the Wildcats? Oh man, it's a, a new venture. It's an opportunity to really look at and see how football down at the minor level is is happening and how we can help make it better and help prepare these young men for the next step in football and it, it's been quite a pleasure working with these young men and the coaching staff and how eager they are to get better and to put a good product on the field and uh, the season started for you guys uh, with the victory. You know, I, I had uh, Jeff Tobert on from the from the Edmonton Huskies last night, and a, and a heartbreaking final play uh, loss for them. But you guys were able to get uh, a, a victory. Now, tell us about that because I, I I got a little I got a little bit of a Coles notes. I think it was a big first half, and then hang on a little bit. Or how would you describe it? Yeah, you know, execution in the first half was very good. Uh, a lot of explosive plays. Uh, seven total was able to get 31 points. Uh, sorry, uh, 31 points on the board and went in with a very good halftime lead. And uh, midway in the third quarter, our execution became a little bit lackadaisical, and uh, we allowed a good football team in Calgary to get back into it, but uh, was able to finish it off with a, a decent drive and a good defensive stop. All right, uh, final score was it 36-25? You guys up uh, wound up beating the Colts, and now you're going to be playing the Huskies this weekend. So uh, th- that is fun stuff. Hey, y- you know, you. Uh, so what w- what was the timing for you? I mean, I think Montreal let you go early in 2019, and were you were you going to coach the Wildcats last season if not for? this everything that's been going on was that the timeline for you the timeline was uh, always during the off season was uh, partial to helping coach darcy and his enthusiasm for learning and to give the young men that he worked with the best opportunity to be able to uh, get some high level coaching uh, so i always had an opportunity to work with him and he approached me and i told him that i would work as a consultant to help his coaches during the off season and and prepare them for the 2020 season uh, unfortunately COVID happened and that didn't take place and uh, sitting around going hmm, the, the football mind uh, would not stop going and this was an opportunity to do something uh, that i've been dabbling in in the pros as well and uh, take it to the next level in terms of experiment with being an office coordinator and now for you though correct me if i'm wrong um but your roots are in edmonton and i even with montreal was this still sort of home base for you what's the accurate description there yeah it's always been home we've been in our same place for well over 20 years now and uh i took a lot of red eyes <laughs> my routine <laughs> i knew the flight crew it was it was always home and uh i've enjoyed this community it's uh been very very much a blessing to me and my family to be in Edmonton community raised to young adults in, in Edmonton and have them be a part of this community as well it's been really a blessing and uh, I think this is going to be home for for a very long time yeah well it, it already has been so that so that's pretty cool so how how is it I mean you were you were in the pros as a player and then you coached and managed in the Canadian Football League do you have to take a different approach with junior football players? I mean, they're, they're obviously a little bit younger. They're still men, but they're a little bit younger. And you have some guys who might become pros. Some guys might go U sports. Some guys, this might be it for football. Like, do you, is, is it a different mindset for you coaching that, that age group and that experience level? No, uh, I had an opportunity to talk to some very young players and, and coaches in Beaumont yesterday. And, and I'll say the same thing I, to you. I said to them, 
there are certain things in all sports that translate, and that's the fundamentals. And we have to be very much focused as coaches on teaching these young men and ladies that are participating in football the fundamentals of the game. So at the professional level, breakdowns happen when the players don't have the fundamental understanding of technique and schemes. And we we're, we sometimes get uh, very much too creative as coaches and try to be smarter than the next person. And we forget that the fundamentals is what's going to allow the game to grow and allow the product on the field to be successful and give these young men and women opportunities uh, to go to the next level. And that's the message here is that we can – scheme and be fancy and probably score a lot of points or we can focus on doing a few things multiple ways with an emphasis on the fundamentals i saw it in the pros during evaluation process uh, young men not even knowing how to run properly not understanding biomechanics uh, so across levels there's a, a dire need for an emphasis on the fundamentals in, in sports and understanding people's bodies okay so has I, I didn't know you were going to bring that up. That's interesting. So is this something that you think used to exist and it's fallen by the wayside? Or is this knowledge that you think is available to coaches and players that they aren't fully utilizing as we have more technology and computers and analytics and that? Yeah, I, I think as time has gone on, uh, what I've seen in sports is that uh, we've become too too much of an emphasis on the creativity aspect of it instead of the player development aspect of it. Uh, everything is geared towards how can people execute schemes. Uh, you listen to a football game and the commentator's primary focus is on the schemes. There's not a diagnosis that is not an analyst of, uh, of the fundamentals. And the breakdowns happen because of the fundamentals. Uh, we're not developing developing our athletes because we're not developing them fundamentally. So when they move to the next level, they don't have a fundamental understanding, not just of technique and scheme, but of terminology. And we're trying to emphasize that, create a language that is universal, where our players understand that a four technique is a four technique, a five is a five, et cetera, et cetera. So I really believe that we've gotten away from that. I think that people like to to create the sexy sexiness and not look at the, the basis and fundamentals enough. Okay, so now that you're an offensive coordinator, and look, I, I know uh, your next opponent is the other Edmonton team, so maybe somebody <laughs> is listening. But, but as an offensive coordinator, then, are you just more focused on let's have, I don't know, the number of plays, 10, 15 plays, and execute them perfectly every time, as opposed to we're going to have like 70 plays and some of them are crazy and they'll never know what's coming? Like, what's your problem? Yeah. I'm at that age now that I'll make references in football that these kids have no understanding of. And I'll talk about Nebraska football in the, in the mid, early to mid-90s. They executed very few uh, plays. The defenses knew they were going to execute ISO. They knew that they were going to do certain things, and they couldn't stop them. Uh, look at the orange ball against Miami. Look at the, the way that they overwhelmed Miami with just fundamental execution. Oklahoma is a heyday. You knew the wishbone was coming. You knew the option was coming. You can defend it because they were so versed in it that they were able to execute it. So that's the, the model here is let's do a few things multiple ways and understand it and let the game slow down for you. And when the game slow down mentally for you, you will speed up in terms of your execution and your footwork. That's an interesting way to put it. So... But but you still need, and I'm not saying that you're you're uh, you're refuting this, but I want to go down this road as well because it, we've seen the Elks here play three games and not score a ton of points. 
We've seen them execute a lot of plays, but but not get in the end zone. And, and I'm of the belief, and other coaches have also told me this, so this is not just the crazy media guy, Cavis, yelling at clouds. Well, sometimes <laughs> I am. But in, the Cana- but, but in Canadian football, you still need, I mean, four, four yards at a time isn't enough. Don't you need a 20 to 25 play once or 20 to 25 yard play once or twice a quarter? Yeah, you want to have explosive plays, and those explosive plays are a part of the fundamentals. Uh, you can have explosive plays through execution. You have, uh, it comes through the execution. It comes through you sometimes breaking a tackle on a simple dive play and making a 20-yard 20, 20 gain. It's all about uh, downfield passing. It's about executing and how you get off the line of scrimmage if it's in a press situation. It's going to come down to a execution and sometimes you scheme to put them in the right situation based on what the opposition is going to do and that's that's coaching one-on-one my main point is is that when it comes down to the micro that defensive back and that receiver is in a one-on-one situation who's more fundamentally sound to be able to execute their assignment the quarterback most quarterbacks get in trouble not because of their their arm they get in trouble because of their footwork or their eyes and that's the thing that we're trying to emphasize is that you're going to create explosive plays and score an opportunity through doing the simple things that are universal Kavis Reed joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former coach of the Double E football team, played defensive back for them as well, and as he's telling you now, the offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Wildcats. Okay, um, as I mentioned, one of the themes of the shows tonight is losing streaks, Kavis. So I will be that guy and take you there a little bit. You coached three years for the Double E. You had one uh, really good year. Uh, you had kind of a mediocre year, and then you had a tough year, four and fourteen. Professionally, how did you handle that? And especially, you know, as, as the season wore on, the prospects of a championship or a playoff spot diminish and diminish. Um, I, I know that's tough because everybody wants to win. I know it was tough on the players. I know it was obviously tough on, on you as a coach. How, how What were some of the keys for you for getting through that season? Upbeat, coaching, teaching, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, one of the best compliments I got as a coach was during that 414 season where a few reporters would always remind me that they can walk in that locker room and they can tell whether or not that team was 14 and 4 or 4 and 14 because our attitude never changed, our approach never changed. It was all about keep getting better. And out of that 4 and 14 team came Mike Riley, Matt Nichols, uh, the Jeremiah Mazzoli's. Out of that 4 and 14 team and the, the team before that came now in the league, four or five starting quarterbacks. So we knew what we needed to do to turn the ship around and get this franchise back where it needed to be. Uh, It was a situation where we had to find a quarterback. We had to develop quarterbacks, and we knew it was going to be a tough task. Uh, Everyone says the most important player in hockey is a goalie. Well, we all know the most important player in sports is a quarterback. We needed to develop that. So my focus was never on what was going to be the final record was where we're going to take this franchise and how we're going to set the franchise up to have success in the future. And a lot of teams are benefiting from those trials. And uh, I'm very proud of those guys for what they're accomplishing now. Well, Michael Riley went on to become a very successful and popular player wearing green and gold. Was it was he a sure thing for you? Because you know he had he had some spectacular performances that year, but he but he had some tough times as well. Did did you think it was going to happen for him? Were you sure about it? Absolutely. And uh, the the MVP of our team, when you're looking at it from a chess perspective versus a checkers perspective, because we've got that mentality, was Kerry Joseph. 
we knew we had four young quarterbacks that had the potential, but we had to give them the right kind of mentoring that didn't come necessarily from the coaches, the right kind of mentoring and culture that will allow them to grow professionally, not just on the field, but off the field. How do they prepare when they go home? What do they eat? How do they treat their bodies? How do they study film? Kerry was instrumental, and those guys will tell you the same thing if you talk to them privately. He was instrumental in helping them develop as professional. And that's the same model we use in Montreal. Put veterans, the right veterans, around young players so that you teach them how to be winners, and it will eventually pay off. Uh, I'm not a microwave coach. I never succumb to the pressures of you have to do it right now because if you want to do it right, you're going to have to take a little bit of time and develop it, water that seed, and watch it grow. And uh, I'm very proud of those guys during that time of having an eye for the future and knowing that sometimes short-term pain is going to lead to sustainable long-term gain. All right. This was awesome, man. We'll have to talk again. I love some of the ideas that you have and how you explain stuff. Uh, Saturday, I think this one's at the JP Bowl. How much are you looking forward to coaching in an all-Edmonton matchup? Yeah, it's, in, it's at Emerald Hills and uh, Cheryl Park. Uh, oh, sorry, you, you guys know, are the home team. Yeah, team. My, my yeah, okay. yeah no worries. Uh, so we can get everyone there. And uh, I, I'm excited. I, I know the history of these clubs. Uh, it's just like the Edmonton-Calgary rivalry. It's, uh, it's very intense. And to see how the young men prepare and don't change their temperament, regardless of who they're preparing, and seeing how they allow their emotions to be to their benefit and not to their detriment. And that's one of the biggest things we're teaching. The rivalry exists. You love it. You love all the talking. Uh, you love all the things before. But when that ball kicks off, it's no different. Uh, each week to week, who you're playing, you got to go out and execute. Right on. Hey, Kavis, all the best. We'll definitely do this again. Uh, it sounds like you're absolutely loving life and uh, loving being in Edmonton full-time again, which is cool for everybody. Really appreciate it, man. We'll talk again soon. Reed, thank you so very much, and good luck with everything. There we go. That is Kavis Reed, the offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Wildcats. Yeah, I think I said on the show last night that game is uh, at the JP Bowl. That no, It's not. It's at Emerald Hills in Sherwood Park, and we had Darcy Park on from the Wildcats talking about uh, that facility that they're going to be playing in. So that is Saturday at 7. Huskies coming off a one-point loss. Wildcats coming off a win over the uh, Calgary Coast. They're going to play at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Okay, it's time for trivia. 780-496-0063. I'll ask the question, and then you will have to call in and answer it live on air. Would you have the audio clue ready, Kellen? Uh, I happen to have the audio clue ready. Okay, so the trivia question will be, who is this speaking? I think everybody knows I was right around 6'3". Uh, I was about 210 pounds when I came up to, to Edmonton, so it wasn't like I was a little guy. Um, they said my arm wasn't strong enough. Uh, that was probably one of my my biggest attributes was the strength of my arm. Okay, who is that? That's from an interview on Inside Sports last year, 780-496-0063. Get your answers in. We'll get to you after the break. A 
I think everybody knows I was right around 6'3". Uh, I was about 210 pounds when I came up to, to Edmonton, so it wasn't like I was a little guy. Um, they said my arm wasn't strong enough. Uh, that was probably one of my, my biggest attributes was the strength of my arm. All right, so we're giving away four passes for you to take three buddies to golf at Edmonton Springs. And the trivia question is, uh, who is the speaker in that clip? One person has called in, which means that Jason is either the uh, only really sharp person out there or he's the only person currently listening to the show. Both are possible. Hey, Jason, how are you? Hey, I'm well. Who was that? Well, I think it was Warren Moon. You're darn right it was Warren Moon. What gave yeah. it away? <laughs> what, what gave it away? Just your general intelligence? Uh, well, of course, that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember listening to the interviews you've had with him, So, and his voice is still the same as it was back when I used to watch him when he played for Edmonton. So You are, you are of a vintage where you remember him as a player? I do. He was my favorite awesome. quarterback, so. Yeah, uh, pr- well, best in franchise. Did you do the vote we had online for all the franchise all-stars? Uh, I did, yeah. And did you pick Moon as your quarterback? Yep. Yeah, pretty clear <laughs> choice, I thought. Well, I'll tell you what, thanks for listening to the show. Again, you were the only one who called in, so you may be the only person currently listening. So this is just right like on, you and me are talking right, about Zoom Right on, something. you're worth the listen, Reed. thanks. <laughs> okay, are you a golfer? Yes. Okay, good. Have you been to Edmonton Springs? No. Okay, well, you're going to get to go. So, yes, so thank don't hang, you. Don't hang up. Don't hang up because Kellen's going to tell you how to get the passes, okay? Right on. Thank you. Right on. That is Jason. So that was indeed uh, Warren Moon talking in that clip uh, at 780-496-0063. So Jason's going to play Edmonton Springs, and uh, he was all over that one. So that is cool. We're still going to do trivia tomorrow and Friday. We did it for a week, a couple of weeks ago. We're doing it every day this week. I'm enjoying doing the trivia because I I get to talk to some of you as well. Though, again, Jason could be the only guy I'm currently talking to. All right. Well, we are, uh, we're winding her down. That, you know what, this is, I I really enjoyed having Justin Rayner on the show. Current scout with the Moose Jaw Warriors suffered a, a serious injury in a hockey game in 2004 is now a quadriplegic. He was on skates for the first time since then last night. He told you that health story. If you, if you missed it, get the Inside Sports Podcast or go to the show page on 630Ched.com. Awesome interview. Mooner was on the show. Cavis Reed as well. We'll cook up some more fun for tomorrow evening. Hey, I hope you're doing well. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. My name's Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.